Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hope all of us are happy this morning and are blessed. Anybody rejoicing? That's great. We thank God for that. Amen. This morning, or this, is it afternoon now? Yeah, this afternoon, I'd like us just to share something from the Bible. Some of the verses are very common, very familiar to you. We would like to see what God is going to lift off those verses for us today. And if there is anything that will bless our souls, we'll run away with it and bless the Lord for that. I would like us to look at Matthew 19. Matthew 19. I'm sharing on the subject of a co-worker. Co-worker. I'm sharing on the subject of a co-worker. We are co-workers with Christ Jesus. I'll start from verse uh, 16. Matthew 19, verse 16. The Bible says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And quickly the young man said, he said unto him, Which? And Jesus answered, Thou shalt do no murder, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father, thy mother. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 20. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth. My youth up. What lack I, I yet? Verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou would be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Verse 23, then he said, Jesus, then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, 
they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Verse 30, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Father, we thank you for your word. As we continue to meditate upon it, reveal to us that which you want us to know this day. We thank you and we honor thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this is an interesting story here, and it has been shared in different ways to us. I don't know whether it's coming in the same way today, but I just want us to understand a few things. We see four, four things that come out from this passage that we have read. There is a young man who is hardworking. I have deduced that from the fact that he's been able to amass quite considerable wealth. Now, wealth does not come when you are sleeping. You must be working, either mentally or physically. Praise the Lord. So this young man was a hardworking person generally in life. But then having achieved much in the secular world, he was seeking for something deep within him and he used the same formula, determination, hard work, and zeal. He was looking for eternal life. But as much as he pressed himself and worked, he continued to feel he's not getting it. And the more he looked at Jesus' life, the more it became apparent that he was missing his target. And not given to failure, he decided to find out what it is that he has to do. So when Christ begins to tell him about the Ten Commandments, this gentleman, even before the ten are completed, all that I have observed since I was a young man, he tells Jesus Christ, 
all that I have observed. Tell me the other thing that I've missed out. He was keen to know that. Now, that is the aspect that we are used to, but I am more concerned about this person who's genuinely interested in getting eternal life. But his approach has taken a different tangent than is expected. So he's working, no doubt about it. He started the Ten Commandments, committed himself to observing them from a young age and pursued that. But it never gave him the satisfaction that actually he was on the right track. And so he had to seek out what it is that he was missing. So that is one person that we pick out from this passage. Then we have this other group, the disciples. The disciples, though they were not wealthy, but it appears, I'm deducing this from their reaction, it appears they also had that kind of thinking that hard work can, can guarantee you or can work towards your entry into eternal life. Why do I say that? Because in verse 25, they say when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? If people like this one, who has worked very hard, people who have made it in life, and they've set that aside, they've started pursuing the things of God so zealously like this, they are still falling short. Who then can make it? So it appears, apart from being close to Jesus Christ and listening to his word and joining him in the ministry work, at the back of their mind, they imagined there was something that you had to do at a personal level for you to make it to eternal life. And Peter being like Kenneth, he quickly, in verse 27, this, then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? So Peter is another character that we see here. And maybe most of us also fall into that. Peter, apart from what sharing in the thoughts of the other disciples, he had also another dimension to accessing eternal life. He thought sacrifices, personal sacrifices can also enable you to access. So in his heart, he had set aside very many things and said, okay, since I've left this, at least God will understand I left so much and will also allow me in that eternal life. So to him, he was more concerned. If the rich who have worked, or those who are working very hard, they are in the service, they're always committed to the things of God. This much, they are 
likely to miss? What about those of us who have just decided to sacrifice everything? So that's why he was asking this question immediately, because he wanted to be also sure. What about this category to which I belong? And then Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes. Okay. Two people, two sets of people, maybe most of us belong to that, hardworking, committed, zealous. Another set of people, those who are willing to sacrifice everything so that they please God. But again, in this group of Peter and the disciples, there's an element that we must also pick out. Because by they saying, who then can be saved? And by Peter also introducing this new dimension, it implies deep within them, there was some comparison. They were saying, because I've done this, I'm better off. Because I've done this, I'm fair off. I stand a better chance. So there was that aspect of comparing and seeing, at least I'm okay, at least I'm okay, at least I'm okay that way. So that thing must not be lost because some of us may find ourselves in this category of workers who feel, because at least I'm doing better than so and so X. Let me use myself. At least I'm singing better than Kenneth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I also try, especially when I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So there is the element of us, instead of understanding what exactly I need to do as an individual, my relationship with God, I am focusing on comparing myself. Where am I in relation to the others? These things are not about competition. It's about you and God. If there is any competition, it's about you competing yourself. The Kenneth of today competing the Kenneth of yesterday. The Kenneth of this hour competing the Kenneth of last minute. If there is any competition, that should inform you whether you're progressing or retrogressing. Praise the Lord. So we see those, those three aspects. But also we see somebody there. God. Christ is offering mercy. And he's also offering a reward. Because in that part, last part, he's saying, Although I have said it is impossible, although I've said it is impossible, but with God, it is possible. Praise the Lord. That which we have sought to attain by doing so well, we do well by working hard. And we find our hearts feeling empty. It's attainable if we let God take over. That which we have sought to attain by sacrificing a lot, our time, 
every other thing, our resources, to see that we please and give God honor. It's not the resources that God needs. Praise the Lord. That's why sometimes, you know, I like this church. Not because I am here, but because of some things that I observe. Because my past experience is different from my experience in this church. Because there are some congregations, and I, I remember sometimes somebody questioned me about <laughs> that. that has, these issues of tithe and offering will always take about 33% of the time in the church. But I think you bear me witness. This church emphasizes on that very, it has left it to you to be responsible over your commitment with God in terms of resources. Praise the Lord. So it is, it is good for you to know all the gold and silver belongs to Praise the Lord. Even the, the gold you see on the hands of the ladies from India, it belongs to God. Praise the Lord. They're just keeping it for him. And because you're the child of God, sometimes you can order them to give it to you. Like some of them are going to give it to me today. Praise the Lord. And also the Bible says in heaven, the tiles are not made of mud which is baked. Praise the Lord. It's not cement mixed with mud and compressed, no. It's gold. Gold. So those of you who love gold, sometimes you may miss going to heaven because you stand the risk of digging up the pavements. <laughs> And since it has already been laid permanent and settled, anybody who tries to interfere with the settled things of God, you might find yourself in trouble. Our God is not poor. Our God has resources. And he wants to reward his children. And Christ is saying here, you have done well, but don't concentrate on impressing me with those things. I already have enough. Even what you have, you're just keeping for me. Praise the Lord. So I've seen people struggle with the is issue of tithe as if they are paying God. In fact, they say, we are paying our tithe. Who are you paying? You're just returning to the owner. Praise the Lord. You're just returning. It's an honor for you to be entrusted to return it to the owner. Just to carry it back to the owner. So what I want to say here is our God, Christ is presenting himself. In all these activities, Christ is presenting himself as one who can reward those who are faithful. The thing that is being emphasized there is faithfulness. It's not the activity that we involve ourselves in. The work we do is good. The service we offer in our ministry is good. The the offerings that we give are good and they're welcome. But what God wants of us is faithfulness in our service and in our giving. Praise the Lord. 
So I read, I read uh, the last verse there, which said, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. But before that, verse 29 said, you know, there's two categories of reward there. The 12 thrones, and verse 29 says, and everyone. I never liked attending political gatherings because of one reason. When somebody stands up, he says, guest of honor, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. So I always belong to the category of ladies and gentlemen. So the ladies and gentlemen are in 29. We are all being rewarded because we have committed our lives to Christ. We have accepted him as our personal savior. Genuinely from our hearts and his blood has washed us. We don't leave those meetings empty handed. We have something also to say, I have been rewarded. Praise the Lord. But we also know the scripture says, they that win souls shall shine more bright. So there may be other aspects about the rewards, but first of all, I want to be in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. I want to be there. I want to be there. Now, the message was talking about co-workers. And the reason why I've shared with you this part and dwelt on it, the question in verse 27 is of importance to us. Uh, we have given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Because in this service of God, there is reward system. And we were talking about rewards and crowns some time back in our studies. Those are the things that all of us aspire to benefit from. But I want to look at the reason why Christ went at length to say all these things. Remember, a young man has come, is inquiring about how he can make it to heaven. And then it leads to the disciples also raising up questions. And then remember the verses and the chapters in the Bible were not in the inspired word. Am I saying something wrong? I don't know. The pastors will correct me. This came in later. The word was just flowing. So I want you to look at verse 19 as a continuation, verse 20 as a continuation of, sorry, chapter 20 as a continuation of verse of chapter 19. It's still going on. So Christ has been talking about this reward that he has for those who have been following him and everyone else who has forsaken, who has sacrificed for the sake of the kingdom is being rewarded. But then he puts a caveat in verse 30. He says, but many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. And then you skip to verse 16 of chapter 20. Remember the order in which he said, he says, the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first. In verse 16 of chapter 20, he says, so the last shall be first and the first shall be last. You can see how he has put this. It's symmetrical, eh? It's symmetrical in a way. But let us look at chapter 20, that part which is in between, because it's a continuation of the story that he has been talking about, the disciples. Again, I'm going to take this to read 
through, and then we shall start picking up a few things that we need to look at. For the kingdom of heaven, after he has said that, for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Praise the Lord. So there is an aspect here that we must appreciate, that there is a landowner here, and is, the Bible is referring to a vineyard. In a vineyard, we don't go there to sit. We go there to work. Praise the Lord. If you have been on a farm, and people are working, and you are just to talk, they tell you, go and prepare for us food, because you are interrupting their work. Praise the Lord. You are just to talk. They say, no, please, let us finish our task. You go home, help us in preparing the food that we'll eat after we have finished the work. So in a vineyard, you enter a vineyard and you are ready to soil your hands, to do some work. So there is an owner of the vineyard. And this owner of the vineyard walks into a marketplace, Gubra. Praise the Lord. And he finds people waiting for work in Gubra. Now, the first group that he takes on, the people, he agrees on a contract. He tells them, come and do some work in my vineyard, and I'll give you a day's pay. Praise the Lord. I'll give you a day's pay. So those are terms, clear terms they're fixing with these people, ready for some work. And these people of contract will see how troublesome they are. Praise the Lord. Why has he gone out there? It's because there is work to be done. He's looking for workers. He's looking for workers on this farm. Praise the Lord. And then it says, and he went out about third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, whatsoever is right, I will give you and they went their way. I, you people, you have come all the way from Nigeria, from Kenya, from India, and you come here. Somebody tells you, just continue working, we'll see how we'll pay you. It takes faith. It takes faith. Most of you will haggle with that person, oh, what are my terms, the terms of my contract? Is there a medical scheme? Is there... All those, when you are still at home in the safety of your, your home country, because you want clear terms for your contract. But we see that's one group. Another group is here. They're just working with faith. They say, okay, we need a job. This person is offering us a job. We will go for it. But remember, three hours have elapsed. The first group is already on the farm. The ones of the contract, they're already on the farm. They know their terms. Then at the midday again, again, he went out about sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right. Whatsoever is right, that ye shall receive. That's dangerous. 
in your mind, you know, some people in this group, some people started in the morning. I've just come the 11th hour to start working. It requires faith. Praise the Lord. And because whatever you will be paid, most likely it's not going to be a day's wage. Because you're working only probably for one hour. The others are working for the full day. But it requires faith. So what do we get from this? The owners have hired, this work required, service is required. But there is a reward for every worker. We also gather as we continue, we see, so when even was come, verse 8, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his stewards, call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came, when they came, they were hired about 11th hour, they received every man a penny, which was equivalent to a day's wage. So this reveals something. This landowner has got something in him. He's merciful. He's a merciful landowner. Because it was his right. He would say, okay, you've not worked for a full day. I'll pay you on, pro, you call it pro rata or something like that. In the hours that you worked, I'll pay you an equivalent. And that would be very little. But he was merciful was generous. He said, no, these people also need a living wage. So he gave them. But now look at the other guys. I'm sure if I was in the other group, my budget will be shooting left, right. If this one have got this times 12, so 12 pennies, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to take my family. But to their shock, when he started paying, he paid the same amount and they started complaining. They started lamenting. They began to, to question, where is justice in this? Where is justice in this? So the question of justice comes up in this. Is God just? All right, let's look at the lessons that we are picking out from that passage. First, we like to look at the kind of worker we ought to be from 35 to 36, Matthew 9, Matthew 9, 35 to 36, tells us something, uh, start from verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. In verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Now, why have I brought in this? Because this man, because of the amount of work on his farm, I'm, I'm believing maybe he was seeing a storm come and he was worried that the, the vine, the grapes are going to, to fall off and they will be useless. So he went very early in the morning, took some workers. He saw this work is overwhelming. He went for another group. So it means there's a lot of work there that has got to be done. That is what Christ was talking about in this, in our ministry as children of God. There's so much to be done. And he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So the landowner goes to look for more workers, more workers. He's looking for you and for me, for the work that is there in this world. Praise the Lord. But remember, 
Some people have started early, others have started late, but this landowner is a fair and just landowner. Praise the Lord. He's not only just, he's merciful. Why am I using those two words? A just person, if he sticks on justice only, he will go by the law. He will say, you have worked 12 hours, you need this. You have worked for one hour, you need this. Praise the Lord. But our God is not only just, but he's also merciful. Praise the Lord. Because when I don't deserve that pay, he still looks at my needs and says, Kenneth, I know you've not done much, but I will still give you what you expect, what you need, what you, ex I mean, what can, is it a living wage? Eh? The people in labor, I'll give you a living wage. I'll not take advantage of you. Praise the Lord. Our God is a rewarder. He's a faithful, merciful, just rewarder. Praise the Lord. We will talk about those workers shortly after this. Now, the fields are ripe. The harvest is great. The workers are required. Are you ready for the work that God wants you to do? Are you seeing the urgency in his call for this work? Are you seeing his frequency of looking for workers that informs the urgency that is there? You need to be alive to this. But I don't want to forget the workers also. Because those who waited until the 11th hour, it means they were keen to do something. They just didn't want to benefit from nothing. They were still waiting at that place because they wanted to do something. And when the invitation came, they took it. Praise the Lord. They did not say, oh, it's too late, sir. Can we start tomorrow? No. They said, whatever there is, whatever little there is, I am ready to do it. God is looking for such amongst us. Don't consider yourself to be late in the kingdom of God. There's always some work for you to do, whatever time is left. Maybe you look around and you see other people who have served God for 40, 50 years, and you're wondering, um, I just got saved last week. Is there anything for me to do in this, in, this, in, this, in this kingdom? There's a lot for you to do. Praise the Lord. And God is still inviting you even now. Come and join him. Be a co-worker with him. Lesson number two is the sense of urgency which I've alluded to. If we see he has gone 6, uh, 6 a.m., 9, 12, 3, and 5. So it means he wants this work to be completed within a short time. The times are evil. So he wants the work done. The souls that are still there in the world require you urgently. They need you and I urgently. Praise the Lord. That is why God is calling upon you and me. Can we move quickly so that this work is completed in good time? In John 9, 3, it says, 3 and 4, it says, it was not because of his sins, his parents, his parents, or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. And verse 4, it says, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. There is a sense of urgency. The things that, when Christ was doing this, he had been healing people, ministering to people and so he needed somebody he needed people to join in this work to be co-workers with him in this 
particular assignment. Praise the Lord. So three things we pick out. The frequency of recruitment showed the urgency. Also, it was time bound. This work appears to have been meant to be finished in one, uh, one day, not two days. That's why he kept recruiting until the 11th hour. So that also speaks to the urgency of the souls that need, the souls that need to be saved. It is important for us to think about that. The recruitment went up to 11th hour. That speaks of the urgency that there was. Praise the Lord. Another lesson that probably we picked from here is the issue of a just and merciful God. Sorry, a God who does not like idleness. Ezekiel 16. In Ezekiel 16, verse 49, Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and the needy suffered outside her door. Now, you can read the other aspects there. It, it speaks of laziness and idleness. Some, some versions talk of idleness. It appears, you know, Sodom is condemned for being a very sinful place. True? When you talk of Sodom and Gomorrah, that's the worst of the worst. And the scripture says in Ezekiel 16, 49, Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and the needy suffered outside. But previously, if you read 48 up to continue, you realize that actually he's telling these people their sin is worse than that one of Sodom. And among those sins, laziness is included. Laziness is included. We need to be careful. When the call comes for us to serve God in his kingdom, let's be there up to the task. Praise the Lord. Four things. Uh, Fairness. Everybody must earn a living, and God despises laziness. So let us know that we don't need to look for free things. We need to work in the kingdom of God. Yes, He's going to bless us, but let us also commit ourselves to service. Praise the Lord. Another lesson is about the just and merciful God, which I've talked to several times. One, He paid His workers on time. He paid those on contract as per the contract, so he was just. He did not deny them anything. Because when he engaged them, he told them, I'll give you a day's wage. Did he fail? No. So he was just. But he did not stop at justice. He went a step further, the step of mercy. And so he gave even the others who did not deserve a full day's pay. Let's pray and seek for mercy rather than justice. Praise the Lord. Go beyond justice. Seek for God's mercy. If we go for justice, none of us deserves anything. We don't deserve. But if we go for mercy, even our failures, it puts aside and serves us and ministers to us in accordance with this mercy that abounds. Praise the Lord. So the living wage is given and is also generous. But I want to say something just before, probably as we draw close to the end. There's something about pay. Because when he was paying these people, when he paid the first one, there was no complaint. 
But when he started paying those who came earlier, then complaints arose. While reading something about uh, remuneration in organizations, one study revealed that many people can work for any form of pay as long as when they look around them, their pay seems to be a little bit better than their colleagues. Studies have revealed that. So that I'm a teacher in this school, and there's another school there, it is paying three times, but in this school, my third, if it is slightly above the rest of the teachers, I'm okay. Until somebody else will be paid more than me, then I begin to complain. Praise the Lord. I don't know whether we should praise the Lord for that. <laughs> so pay differentiation can cause problem, but it has got its place also in the organization. Why? There's an American who was very rich with around 120 employees. Immensely rich. And then, one day he was reading a magazine on business. He came across some document which said, a comfortable living wage for an employee in America at that time was about $70,000 per year. And then they realized in his organization, there were people who were earning $35,000 per year. So the man said, oh, I have the resources. He went to his company, called everybody and said, okay, starting from this month, starting from this month, the minimum pay here will be $70,000. You can first the shock and then the excitement, then the cheering. Praise the Lord. Everybody's excited. Those who are getting 35, double. They become like Kenneth. Thinking of the next car. Thinking of the next trip. Thinking of ABCD. Because the money has been doubled. <clears throat> but there was a problem. There were some people who were already earning more than $70,000 a year. So they were already comfortable. They were not in this package. problem began. How can these people be doubled? Their salary has been doubled and that's nothing. Before there was no problem. They were comfortable because others are earning 35 and they're earning $70,000 per year. They were comfortable. But now somebody has come to earn $70,000 per year and I'm earning 80 and I'm complaining. Why has he been, his salary been moved to 70? That is the problem with the contract workers, like many of you are. Praise the Lord. The first group started complaining because of that pay differences. But we are saying our God is a merciful God. Praise the Lord. Now, let, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. You know, we are going for eternal life, isn't it? Eternal life. Is there four times eternal life and one time eternal life? Tell me. So will there be a reason for you to complain? How come this person just got saved the other year and now he's also sharing the eternal life and I got saved 20 years and I'm in shape? You'll be told, maybe you're in the wrong place. Praise the Lord. 
Because eternal life is eternal life. Is that clear? So in the kingdom of God, there's no reason for you to complain. There's always a reason for you to celebrate in the service that you offer. Don't look on your shoulder and say, oh, I have done this, I've done this, and this, so and so, so and so, no, it's not done. That is now denying yourself the access. Be happy, others have joined to lighten the work. Be welcoming because others are joining to make the work easier. Whether they have come late, that is not your business. That's the business with the, uh, the vineyard owner. Praise the Lord. Let him sort the, the things out. Praise the Lord. We serve a just and merciful God. In terms of contract, that's those of us, Christians, who always say, if God does for me this, I will serve him for the rest of my life. Why are you signing contracts with God? <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you want God to do something so that something happens to you, he will do that, but he will limit. You are limiting him. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which we pray for, that which we ask for, that which we imagine. Praise the Lord. Give him the freedom. Give him the freedom. Work under mercy. Let your faith be rewarded by mercy. Don't seek for justice before God. You don't, need, you don't deserve any. <laughs> there are people who have gone to appeal their case in court. I don't know whether it has happened in your countries. Somebody is imprisoned 20 years. He goes to the high court. The high court says, yes, we are firm. The lower junior court sentence. Then he says, no, no, no. I must go to the appeals court. Then he goes to the appeal court and they say, we have revised your case. In fact, those people are very fair. You need 46 years. <laughs> now, at that time, you are caught because you don't know whether to go to the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court may say these ones are even fair. You need to have 60. But you have won yourself an additional 26 years because you are seeking justice. I'm not saying that's what happens in the kingdom of God, but I'm saying, let us humble ourselves and seek for mercy before God. As workers in the kingdom, we shall be rewarded well. Praise the Lord. We shall be rewarded well. We have talked about those workers, so I just want to quickly come and say some things here as we come to a conclusion. I'm emphasizing the issue of serving God as a co-worker under mercy rather than giving God conditions of service. After the Second World War, the Nuremberg uh, Tribunal is said there were about 20-something generals. 15 of them were asked would they require uh, a lawyer, a good lawyer, or they would like to have a bishop to be, to be close to them before the sentence? It is said 15 of them asked for a, a servant of God to be close to them. Two of those guys said they have no business with the things of God. They just want to seek 
justice. Yes, these people are sentenced, but the 15, majority of them had at one time taken up the faith and said they are sorry of what they had done. I don't know what God's judgment is upon them, but I'm just saying it was something to touch our lives to know that people had committed such, such things so that in God there is mercy. Outside there, there's justice which can hurt them. Same thing David said, I would rather be punished by God than man because God has got mercy and he deals with us in a merciful way. Praise the Lord. God is a rewarder of faith that we should remember. God is full of mercy. Stop comparing your work with others. Just work, be a faithful worker. Stop complaining about other people's pay rather than God. Rather, thank God for what you have. Praise the Lord. Matthew 25, 23. Matthew 25, 23. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. A servant who is faithful is always rewarded. And a servant who seeks justice is always paid. Payment may not be in your favor. Praise the Lord. But God's mercy may overwhelm you in the manner in which he's going to reward you. May God bless you so much.